Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Okay, last time we talked to you, it was uh, yesterday. We had the Bob Gibson uh, tribute. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Want to get your thoughts on that, 65780. The text line is open. Air Comfort Service text line. My name is Dan McLaughlin. We'll visit with Brad Thompson. And um, also want to get your thoughts on the Cardinals season. And uh, last time we talked about the Cardinals, we were going into game number three against the Padres. Oops, season over. Now it's a Tuesday morning, and we look ahead to 2021 and what could be an interesting, to say the least, offseason for the St. Louis Cardinals. But what I like to do in the first segment is get you kind of caught up on what's happening in the world of sports. So as I always like to do, I like to talk a little baseball with you. Yankees last night, 9-3 over to Tampa Bay, and the Death Star is fully operational. I think we can say that they're healthy, they're hitting and they're hitting bombs for Aaron Boone and the New York Yankees. Again, just the quality of a bat throughout the lineup. And, you know, that's something that <clears throat> these guys are capable of when when we're whole and healthy and, and locked in like they are. Um, they just made it real tough. You know, Snell's, Snell's tough, man. He's hard to hit. and uh, But I think... You know, he felt the weight of everything, of the grinded out at bats and making it difficult, and, and eventually we were able to really break through and um, just just a lot of quality at bats against a team that really pitches well. And the 2-2. Swung on and hit in the air to deep center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a grand slam. A Stantonian home run to blow the game wide open. On a 2-2 pitch, he drove the ball to dead center and out. Giancarlo, no si puesto parlo. He hits a grand slam, and the Yankees now have a 9-3 lead. Huh? I see, baby. What? Stantonian home run. A Stantonian home run. Yankees have scored, by the way, 31 runs in their past three games they're on fire they're going to be tough to beat if they get pitching they're going to turn to a 21 year old tonight they're going to be tough to beat Astros have come to life again I know that puts a smile on your face everybody wants to see the Astros win some familiar names Springer Bregman Altuve and yes everyone's favorite Carlos Correa here's a fly ball to center field see if this stays in the yard Luriano going back at the wall that's gone as Correa's gone deep again Homer in the fourth. He hits a solo shot in the seventh. And it's eight to five. Astros on top. Third home run of the day for the Astros. Second for Correa. You know, I gotta give Alex Centron, you know, you know, a lot of credit for, you know, for working and find finding uh, uh, some flaws in, in Carlos's swing. And uh, you know, we moved Carlos to six today, uh, you know, versus seventh because, you know, he was swinging better than Yuli and you know, uh, you know, it paid off for us today. And, uh, you know, he's feeling, uh, you know, like he's getting hot. And, and this whole game of baseball is about a feel. You know, when you feel like you're getting your act together, uh, you know, you actually are getting it together. But when you feel like you don't have it together, you know, you're hoping that you, you know, get it together. So, you know, it was right on time, um, you know, the Carlos... And and Centron, you know, found the flaw in the swing. The only thing I want to see with the Astros, if they advance, is Dusty Baker. 
Dusty Baker now has taken five teams to postseason play. I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, especially five teams now, postseason play. And yes, the Astros had a down year, but yes, they are loaded with talent. Their pitching hasn't been great, but look at their bullpen last night. It was awesome. And Dusty is one of the good guys in the game. And I know just because you're a good guy, that doesn't mean you go to the Hall of Fame. But his resume speaks for itself. And if they win the World Series, it's a slam dunk. He goes to the Hall of Fame. Eight teams in action today. So again, if you love baseball, hey, this is fun, including the Padres and the Dodgers. And this may be the series that everybody wants to see. Los Angeles going for a broke, really, in 2020. Again, according to ESPN analyst Eduardo Perez. Everything. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Everything. Uh, the, uh, the Dodgers are, are built not to just get to the playoffs, not to just win the wild card. They're built to be in the World Series and to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. I mean, every year that Andrew Friedman and, and Dave Roberts have been able to take their team there, um, the L.A. Dodgers this year are as complete as any team um, that has been assembled. There is not a weakness anywhere. Defensively, they can play infield. They can play the outfield. They, can, they have speed. Once they got Mookie, it was like, man, really? It was all over once they decided that Mookie's your leadoff hitter. He sets the tone in a big way. He does. The other series features the Marlins and the Braves. The Marlins, one of the great stories of 2020, supposed to be a rebuild. Here they are in the division series. And uh, the Braves ended their postseason drought against the Reds. Did not allow a run against Cincinnati and defeated two of the best pitchers in the game in Bauer and Castillo. Off to football, the Texans fired Bill O'Brien as coach and GM. I understand we fell short in terms of uh, taking this team further in the playoffs, but I, I do leave knowing that uh, uh, myself and this staff gave everything this uh, this organization deserved and more. We worked very, very hard to try to get this to a place where you know it, it could it could be a championship program. We just didn't get it uh, get it done. Um, I will leave here with very fond memories of the Houston Texans organization. Yeah, but you can't deal DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona. That's why you get fired. Can't do that. Leads the NFL in catches with 39. He's caught 85% of his targets. They get David Johnson back. He's a running back. They picked him up. He's 37th in rushing. The Texans are 0-4. Bye-bye. You're gone. When you make that kind of deal, the target's on your back. You get fired. He's out. So how is the NFL handling COVID-19 in their league? This is different. They're not in a bubble. They're not Major League Baseball. They don't have doubleheaders. You can't play doubleheaders in the NFL. So how are they handling it? NFL insider Bill Barnwell. Look at the teams who are impacted by Tennessee. I'm not saying Tennessee didn't do the right thing. It's obviously still under investigation. But, you know, the Steelers have had no outbreaks. They had their schedule thrown off. They're basically not going to get a bye week because they didn't get to take this week off and, and disconnect. They were basically stuck practicing for most of the week. Baltimore schedule got a, you know had a ton of turnover. Now um, you know all these teams who really aren't even involved with the initial outbreak are dealing with the outbreak after the fact and dealing with the impact of it. So you know I, I think for teams it's not really. Uh, you know, teams thinking, okay, well, we're going to have a problem. More just, hey, what if the team we're going to play in two weeks is a problem? You know, because we can't prepare for that, and we have to deal with, you know, we're going to have to deal with the repercussions, even if it has nothing to do with us as an organization. That's frustrating. Honest question. I, I don't know how they're going to handle this. So what happens if another team gets it and another team after that, and then you start shutting down games? You start running out of time. You run out of runway. 
I don't know how they do this. If more teams start to get players that test positive, and that's the issue that I see with the NFL, because you play once a week. This isn't about playing daily games and then saying, well, we're going to play 11 double headers. I'm not sure how the NFL deals with this. And that is the biggest concern I have right now for the National Football League. They decided not to go in a bubble, and that's fine. That's how they wanted to handle their business. But if you start running out of runway and you start all of a sudden saying, well, we don't have the bye weeks, those get taken up by games, and the schedule doesn't match up with other teams that you're playing, how do you get this thing done? I don't know how you do it. And that is the concern I have right now for the National Football League. So do you push it back then week after week after week and pushing back the Super Bowl, pushing back the playoffs, or you just start eliminating games off the schedule for teams that aren't going to the playoffs and saying, that's it. Those those games are done. I'm not sure how you do it. Uh, does Yachty come back? I think it's fascinating. Does Wayno come back? By the way, Wayno is going to be on a broadcast tonight. And I bet he absolutely nails it. Now, this is not the same as a guy going into a booth and being interviewed. Now, you can tee up a guy as a play-by-play man and say, what do you see here? You can be very good at that, and that's going to be incumbent on the play-by-play guy to say, what do you see with Joe Blow? Why is that curveball working? Why is this cutter working? What would you do here? Now, he's still in the game, so he's got to be careful and say, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do this. Because he's got to play those guys. He, he's, he's walking a fine line. And sometimes that's difficult for an analyst to do, especially if you're still in the game. Now, if you're out of the game, it's different. You can say, I wouldn't do it. But when you're still in the game, you got to face those guys. They got long memories. But when you're an analyst that's still in the game and out of the game, there's two different ways to look at it. But he is bright. He's glib. He's funny. He's sharp. He's going to be awesome. And if this is what he wants to do post-playing career, and I have talked to him about it, um, he will be excellent at it. It'll just get better and better and better. And we've had him in the booth before. He's been tremendous at it. I think he'll be awesome at it. Um, and I don't think this, by the way, is an indication that he's saying, oh, this is what I want to do starting now. I don't think that's the case. I still think he wants to do what he's been doing for the last 20 years, which is being on the mound. So I think Wayne will be great. Do the Cardinals go out and get a bat? I think they need to get a bat, preferably the outfield. But we'll see. We're going to talk it over with Brad Thompson, 101 ESPN. We'll do that next, coming up. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1023 in St. Louis. Dan McLaughlin, Brad Thompson. He'll be a part of the fast lane coming up. And normally we do this on Mondays, but we had our look back at the great life and career of Bob Gibson yesterday. Brad Thompson, always great to visit with you. How are things going, my man? Oh, man, things are, are going away. You know, all things considered, watching everybody else play baseball, I'd say that, you know, things are going just fine, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I want to start with uh, Mr. Gibson. Uh, first time you met Bob Gibson. Do you remember that time? Do you remember it? I guess maybe spring training? Do you had a chance to visit with Bob? What What was it? Yeah, I do. Uh, and it definitely was spring training. It had to be uh, 05 or 06. And uh, I, I distinctly remember getting an opportunity, and I remember this for, for multiple reasons, but having the opportunity to sit on the bench in spring training and just talk to Bob during a game. And it was surreal because obviously it's Bob Gibson. You know, uh, you know everything about what he's done. I didn't have the good fortune to get a chance to see him pitch. But, I mean, his, his numbers live on, and his legacy uh, lived on even with, with him there. 
Uh, but you know how spring training games are, Dan. Like It was the beginning of spring, so there were so many guys in the dugout. And the whole front row is packed, people standing up there. So you couldn't really see. And I'm sitting on the back talking to, to Bob, and he's just talking about pitching, asking me a little little uh, stuff about myself. And uh, you remember Brian uh, Barton. Oh, Brian yeah. Barton. He was up to bat. And Barton was famously laid on a lot of fastballs. Uh, and Brian Barton hit one right through everybody, fouled one off, and it went right through the front row and hits me square in the cap, like right in the brim of the cap, and shoots up. And so it shoots up like right next to Bob and me and between the two of us. And Bob looked at me, he's like, you must be the luckiest person alive. Because it didn't hit me right in the face. It just shot off, didn't hit me at all. And then not a minute later, another one shoots off right past Bob's head. And he said, it's been nice talking to you. (laughs) 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 He just, he walked off. So it was just, it was so funny to, first of all, just get to, to get to share a moment, just sit and talk to Bob about, about pitching in general, but uh, to, to have a funny moment like that, man, just uh, an incredible loss. And Dan, I know how close you grew to Bob over the years and, uh, you know, my condolences to you, to his family, to, to Cardinal Nation, because uh, it has been a, a tough couple of weeks here. You, you lose Lou Brock, uh, you, you lose Bob Gibson, and you feel like you're, this 2020 just keeps on piling on. But I, I know this about that man. We'll be talking about Bob Gibson uh, for our entire lives, and his legacy is going to live on forever. That's a great story. Um, it was interesting how when Bob would come to spring training, he didn't necessarily go find the pitchers. The pitchers, if you wanted to talk to Bob, you had to go find him. Yep. And, if, and if you did, he would talk to you. I mean, and I'm sure you had examples of that of your teammates or other guys that would tell you about that. Hey, if you want to talk to Bob, he's there, but you got to go find him. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I appreciate that. I think that that's something that's kind of hard for a young player. You feel like, man, should I be bothering this guy? But when you think about it, right, he's there for a reason. He's not. uh, Bob was never one of those guys that just wanted to put on the uniform so he could be seen. You know, he he was out there to help out. uh, But you you had to go and ask. And and I, I think that that is a cool thing. I think there are a lot of guys like that. I think that Bruce Suter is kind of one of those guys too. Whenever he's around, like like he's quiet, and then you actually you ask him something about pitching, and then you're sitting there for a couple of hours. And I think that uh, you know down the road, I, I believe that Chris Carpenter is one of those guys too. He's not going to go out and just pour information on you, but if you want it, they're there. And to me, that's one of the beauties of this organization is having those guys around and having had the guys around that are just a wealth of knowledge and are, are willing to share. But like anything good in life, sometimes you got to work for it, and sometimes you got to muster up uh, the the uh, the courage to go talk to the great Bob Gibson, who I still think tons of people were afraid of all the time. Absolutely, Brad Thompson is my guest. Uh, great story, by way. By the way, that was hilarious. Um, and thank goodness it didn't hit you in the forehead. So that's you, you live to talk about it. That's the main thing. Um, let's talk about the Cardinals of, of 2020. As you reflect on the season, you've had a couple of days now to kind of look back on it, look back on the Padre series. How do you sum up what happened in, in 2020, the oddity of, of 2020? I have no idea, to be totally honest with you. Like, I, I, I keep looking at this season and uh, we know the, the, well, you mentioned the oddities, right? Like, we know what happened. We know they had to play, uh, you know, 
53 games in 44 days. We know about the COVID. We know about the, the 13 major league above, uh, you know, appearances this year, the, the uh, debuts. And so there are so many things to unpack, but it, it's still – so I see that, and I, I, I think that that part of it is amazing, that they were able to just get through the season, get it done, be a part of the postseason. But I, I, I think it's impossible to look at the season overall and not be disappointed with – not just how it ended. Like sometimes you're going to run into that. I thought that Jace Tangler did a good job with the bullpen game, managed it well, and uh, the Cardinals, who had great approaches against the starters for two days in a row, had no approach against the bullpen. Like they they just dealt against them, and it was kind of one of those ones that you could see coming. But just from an overall standpoint, like offensively, this year was a disappointment. I don't think that there's any other way to to look at that. You had Goldschmidt. Who, who did Goldschmidt things when he, especially since he didn't really get the opportunity to see too many pitches. I mean, they were very careful with him and rightfully so, but overall uh, from a consistency standpoint, there was very little of it for the lineup, but then I still go back to the first part and say, well, how are they supposed to be consistent when they're playing this many games and they've got to be worn down? So long way to uh, uh, a, a short answer. I don't know. Like, I don't know how I, I unpack this season, but I do know looking forward, and I don't know where it's coming from specifically because the free agent market isn't the best. I feel like they need some help. I feel like they need a little bit of boost. How have you unpacked this season? Yeah, I, I, I look at it this way, that they need a bat some way, somehow, uh, preferably in the outfield is where I'd like to see it done. I like Dylan Carlson yep. coming back. You know, you got the final year of – Dexter Fowler, it's still unproven even after all this with Thomas O'Neill Bader. So some way, somehow, if you can find a given, and to your point, the free agency market is going to be really unknown because of where teams are uh, coming out of the, the budgetary constraints of COVID. It's just it's a fascinating offseason on how teams will go about it with budgetary constraints. And I don't think there's any way to, you know, whether you're St. Louis or whether you're Team X, um, there's going to be budgetary constraints. I mean, there was not fans in the stands, and that's where they're making money. So it's going to be tough. I really do believe that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with that too. And even with the the budget stuff aside, like I, I look at the free agent crop this year, and this is with all due respect to some of the the guys out there. But you know, I look at like a, a George Springer. He's going to be out in the market. Well, he's 31 years old already, having a down year this year. I don't really. Uh, Nice start uh, against Oakland going four for five. But, like, I don't know exactly what you put into him and whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Anybody that played for the Astros the last couple of years, I look at him with my head sideways a little bit. Like, is, is that uh, a guy? Is it Marcus Simeon? Do you move a guy like Paul DeYoung over to third? Like, either way, there's none of these names out here that are saying, oh, for sure, that's the guy. Go get him. And maybe the Cardinals can benefit off of kind of what you're talking about with the market being down, some of these guys not getting the opportunities or not getting the contracts that maybe they want, and maybe the Cardinals are able to kind of creep in and get somebody on a shorter-term deal or for a little bit less money. We'll see what they want. But I absolutely agree with the idea of your outfield spots, uh, aside from Dylan Carlson, who I have, and I know Schilte used the term uh, this year, hey, he's in pencil or heavy pencil. That dude is sharpied into your outfield. He's going to be there. He's going to be in the lineup, and you're going to grow with him, he's going to grow with you. There's going to be ups and downs, but he's in there. But that's about the only piece in the outfield that I feel that way about. Like, 
Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader and Lane Thomas, those guys are going to have to force your hand. I hope that you're able to set up your outfield where they force your hand into playing them as opposed to, uh, let's see, let's see again, because if you do that, it's, I mean, you can compete, obviously, especially if you have good pitching, which takes a hit uh, with Dakota Hudson being out for the year and uncertainty surrounding Carlos Martinez. But I, I just don't see how you come into another season like with, with the, looking at the outfield and kind of shrugging and say, maybe yeah. you know, squint and maybe it'll be good. I don't know. I, I think the other thing is th- their run prevention. I mean, that's where they're at right now. And they, and they have pitching. You know, they've got something that everybody wants. So if they want to get creative, they can. They could be awfully creative with some of the pitching that they have. And they have another wave coming of some guys with Libertor and the young man from Kentucky that they drafted a year ago. So they've got some pitching. So if they want to get creative, they could do that. I'm just not sure how creative they want to get. Yeah, well, but that's the hard part, too. Like, So the Cardinals' strength has been for a long time, and I still believe will continue to be arms. And that's the best currency in baseball. If you have young, controllable arms, everybody wants that. But when you look at your rotation, then you have uh, Dakota being gone. You've got Michael is coming back off of a surgery. Uh, and really, I mean, you've got Kim coming back. Second year, you hope he's good. But, I mean, I mean who knows? And you have Jack. But I think that there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that, too, around what your rotation looks like. I don't know what Carlos is going to be coming back next year. I don't know if they want him to be a starter, want him to be a reliever, what he wants to do. Is he going to be able to do any of those things? Like, like For me, I would be almost a little bit concerned about trading off a Matthew Libertor or Zach Thompson, even though I don't believe that his ETA is 2021, or, or Gomber or Ponce, like whatever this depth is, because – we saw this year how much they needed that depth. And to your point of run prevention, man, you, you've needed kind of all of these guys. I think there's a little bit of a fear factor there, too, of uh, am I going to hurt myself in one aspect of the club to fix another aspect? How about uh, Alex Reyes? I, I think that's also we haven't mentioned him. As you watch him, Brad, and I know you understand pitching better than most, where, where would you put him? Would, would you? I think you go into the idea of camp and you say, hey, offseason, stretch out as a starter, and then we, and for a lot of guys, whether it's Reyes, Gomber, Ponce, um, even Carlos, you say stretch out as a starter and then kind of see where the chips fall. But where do you, where do you see Alex Reyes? Yeah, and I think that you throw Helsley into that similar yeah. conversation that yeah. you're talking about there. Uh, when it comes to Alex Reyes, if if he can hold up as a starter, God, I'd love to see him there. I mean, I, I can envision a one-two punch of Jack Flaherty and Alex Reyes for a full season. And you talk about run prevention, that feels pretty good. Um, so to me, that is absolutely what you do with him. You bring him in, you, you bring him in ready to start, and you see what he's able to do. And if he can hold up and if he wins one of those jobs, I think you let him run with it. If you feel like he's strong enough, because – and you and I had this conversation during the postseason off-air, Dan, uh, is, hey, you're at the point with him and with a lot of guys – you got to find out. Like you, the the number one prospect, the whole hey, we're going to ease you into everything. Like that stuff is is almost gone when it comes to Reyes. It's it's do or don't do at this point. And I believe that he can do. And I, I know in his heart he wants to be a starter in the big leagues. I know that he's going to work his tail off and train for it. And if for some reason, if he gets edged out of the rotation or they're they're building him up and just he gets the realization of you know what, this just doesn't seem right. When I get to a certain threshold, I don't feel as good. 
Well, then put him back in the bullpen, and you've got an impact arm that can throw 100 with a hammer and a good changeup. As long as that guy is healthy and communication is still going to be the key while, while you're not using the uh, white glove service with Alex Reyes, uh, he's going to be making impact everywhere. But if I had to pick a spot, I'd love to see him in the rotation. A couple of guys, and then uh, I'll let you go, but they're big guys. Uh, Yadier Molina, interesting offseason. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he's back in town. Um, it's going to take some maneuvering. I, lo- I want to see him back. I want to see him finish his career here in St. Louis. What do you think? I don't see how he's not here. Like, I don't. And I I get it. I like Kisner a lot. I like the player. I like the person. He's hit at every single level. He's still raw behind the plate. But going back to a theme that we've had in our conversation so far, run prevention. Yep. Yadier Molina prevents more runs than any catcher in baseball. He is a presence. Nobody runs on them. He ushers in his staff. All the things that we've talked about for years and we'll continue to talk about until he is in Cooperstown, all of the things that you can't look up on a stat sheet, he does all of those things, and he does them better than anybody in the game. So I, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't come back. Now, maybe Yachty's camp gets crazy and wants five years or wants some sort of money, and then you understand from a contractual standpoint that there are some things that you can't do. But if you could get him to come back and you give him a two-year deal and maybe you give him a third year that vests uh, with a certain amount of games uh, or at-bats, whatever you know, whatever that vesting option a- ends up being, I-, I don't see him slowing down. I really don't. And You've seen him over the years, Dan. You've seen him grow as a player. And we had the conversation in spring of how he just had a different bounce in his step. He's coming back. That, that's the only way that I can see it. And if it doesn't happen, Dan, I don't want to talk anymore. How about, I got you. How about Wayno? Same thing. Hey, uh, last year wasn't a fluke. This year wasn't a fluke. He was healthy for an entire season, going back to the uncertainty when it comes to your rotation. And that's a guy that I for sure don't believe is going to try to take you for every last dollar. If Adam Wainwright wants to pitch, if he wants to come back and be a part of it next season, this to me is the biggest no-brainer out there. I don't care how much money as an organization you've lost for the year and uh, you're, you're struggling with, that guy's not going to kill you. It's not going to happen. He will be a part of things for sure. Unless, you know, he's doing the broadcast today, unless he loves oh, that yeah. so much and he decides to pick a totally different route. Which uh, which makes me fear for my career. To be totally honest, yeah. Let's be honest about this. Uh, <laughs> we're all a little nervous about this. <laughs> hey, great stuff, Brad. I'll have you tuned in at two o'clock today. Thanks for always doing this. We'll catch up on Monday. Sounds good, my man. I'll talk to you later. You got it. That's uh, Brad Thompson. He'll be on the fast lane on one hundred and one ESPN. Air Comfort Service text line, the 217. Dan wanted to let everyone know at the station and uh, all the guests that I enjoyed hearing all the stories about Bob Gibson. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate that. I know a lot of people put some hard work into that. And, uh, yeah, we all have appreciated so much Bob Gibson and what he has meant to our town and certainly to the St. Louis Cardinals. 314 Danny Mack, I know you're very close to Tim McCarver. Can you tell me how he is doing? I talked a lot to uh, Tim over the weekend, specifically because of the passing of Bob Gibson. Tim is is holding up, doing well. Uh, Tim lives down in Florida, and uh, obviously this has not been an easy time for Tim. Those two are best of friends, and uh, a lot of stories about just laughing, just uh, fun stories that they had uh, in uniform, but a lot of stories uh, off the air, but Tim's holding up. 
And uh, Tim's one of my favorite people. He's such a wonderful man and loves the Cardinals. Believe me, he loves the Cardinals. All right, three one four again. So Danny Mac here and you and Brad Thompson talking about Yadi Wayno. What do you think? Do they come back? I do. I, I think they're going to find a way to do this. Randy brought up an interesting point about guys that have retired in a Cardinal uniform. And Wayno, remember, began with the Braves and then the, the trade. It's going to go down as one of the greatest trades in Cardinals history. The best will be the, the trade for Lou Brock. And right there with it will be the, uh, the Wayno deal. Wayno is, is just a, a huge part of this organization in recent history. It'll go down as one of the greatest deals in Cardinals history. Um, both guys are still playing at a high level. The COVID situation has complicated this because budgets are going to be tight. Um, I don't know what either guy wants. I thought Brad brought up an interesting point. I think Wayno would come with an incentive-laden deal. I don't know what the market would be for a 38-year-old catcher. A lot of mileage for Yachty, but still playing at a very high level defensively. Um, and I also think there's there's something to the fact that Yachty is going to bring people to the ballpark, especially in his final year. There's going to be people that say, I want to watch that guy play. I want to see one more time number four play. I'm one of those people. I would 100% go to the ballpark just to see him. I can tell you that when Albert Pools came in town, it's one of those things where I'm like, I have to go see him. So next year, if you're allowed to go into the stands and you have Adam pitching, it's going to be the hottest ticket of the series, no matter who else the matchups are. There's something to that. I, I don't know what it means financially in making your money back and paying him, but I, I just think that there's something to having him retire as St. Louis Cardinal. Um, and believe me, Mr. DeWitt puts a lot of value on having those guys finish up with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, cares about it. Cares about the franchise. Cares about the fans. Um, and no no doubt, Yachty wants to finish here. Um, Danny Mack, wouldn't you call Ozzie Smith one of the greatest trades in Cardinals history? Yeah, but we're talking about this trade specifically for Adam Wainwright. Yeah, obviously, Ozzie's one of the greatest trades ever. Um, but I, I do think they're going to find a way to make it happen. I, I just don't know what it looks like financially. I mean, we just don't know what teams are, are going to come out and spend money. And that includes the Cardinals. You know, budget-wise, teams have lost hundreds of millions of dollars. And that that's just the reality of what's going on right now. And where the Cardinals are, they clearly need to improve their offense. Now the Cardinals say, hey, we're going we're gonna to walk away from that era and all of a sudden say we're getting a lot of money off the books after next season, which they will. Fowler will be off the books. Carpenter's off the books. Then potentially saying Wainwright, uh, potentially Molina. You got Goldschmidt. You'll have Michaelis. You know, I, it, it's a hard situation, but some people say, well, it's not that hard. You just bring them back. Yeah, and I, I'm it's wondering. Easy. I'm wondering too, Dan. With a couple of years ago, you had the off season that nobody signed and waited so long. I wonder in this off season if people are going to sign quick because they're worried about what potentially could, could. happen in the market. Yeah, you could. Um, but again, I, I think it's a great unknown right now. You just don't know. I, I guess as we go along, we'll find out more about it and figure out what teams are willing to spend. But, man, I want to see those guys finish in St. Louis. I really do. I, I just be tough to see them in a different uniform. Really would. Really would. Uh, what's the rotation look like for you, Danny Mac? In no particular order. And, I, again, we're talking on, what, October 6th? So <laughs> we're a long ways away. 
Uh, I would say in no particular order, and I'm going to say Wayno's coming back. Um, I'm saying Wayno, Flaherty, Michaelis, saying he's healthy too. Uh, Kim, certainly he's he's in. And then you've got a combination of guys. I would say I would say all these guys. I would tell them right now: train as starters, and then chips fall where they may, kind of thing. Cliche, but true. Reyes, Gomber, Ponce. I would tell Carlos Martinez to get in shape as a starter. Uh, who else am I leaving? Zach Thompson, Libertor. I mean, all these guys. You don't know somebody. You got injuries. You got guys that may not be ready to go. And just be ready and stretched out as starters because things happen in spring training. Things happen at the end of spring training, and you have to have depth. You, I mean, we, we saw that in this truncated season. I'm sick of saying that, but um, you have to have depth, and the Cardinals do have depth. And then if you want to trade, you have starters. You've got guys you can deal. So that's what I would look at. We'll cross it over. Ribs BK coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers is in for the crossover. What do you have coming up? Oh, well, we're going to talk about the Cardinals, of course. We want to talk about the evaluation of talent moving forward and what they could possibly do to improve because, hey, we're all wanting World Series championships, and I know the Cardinals are as well. We got Jeremy Rutherford coming on today. I know we're going to talk about Alex Petrangelo as well as the NHL draft where the first round happens tonight and the Blues pick 26th overall, so... We're going to see what's available, what could be what moving and shaking today on draft day. Do you think there would be uh, much movement in terms of trades? I mean, I know it's it, with the NHL draft, it's, it's, it's not the NFL draft, okay? It's not the MLB draft, which even that is a crapshoot too. So it, it's, let's stop saying, hey, they're going to go get this guy. We don't know. But you do have some movement sometimes in drafts. You think the Blues would be moving any pieces? Look, uh, because of the salary cap era, the new trade deadline That's day what I mean, yeah. is draft day. Right. And so, yeah, I think there'll be some movement. What, do the Blues do anything? I guess it's going to depend on where they feel this Alex Petrangelo situation is going That's to end up. That's where I'm up. going, yeah. Going to the draft table for the Blues, they have a feeling that they can get it done. Probably go in this direction if they feel like they can't. Probably go in a different direction. They Listen, this is going to be a crazy offseason because a lot of restricted free agents are just going to not be qualified. They're going to become unrestricted free agents because teams won't be able to pay the three to $4 million that they know they would lose in arbitration. And so they'll let players walk. That sheds salary for them. And it also opens up a giant pool of so-called unrestricted free agents. There could be a ton of movement. Looking forward to it. Ribs BK coming up next. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.